Welcome to Influence Me, a series of podcasts where the prime focus is leadership. I'm Assistant Commissioner Andrew Short, and I'm going to be hosting a series of podcasts where I get to interview a variety of guests, both internal and external to QFES. The topic is something extremely important to us, and one that is central to the success of QFES. I want to talk with these guests about leadership, and I want to learn more about leadership from the thoughts and experiences of others. I want to be influenced. Here's a little bit of background about our first guest. As a professional head mechanic, psychologist, Alison Hill has worked with many organisations. She is the author of Stand Out, a real world guide to get clear, find purpose and become the boss of busy. She is also the best selling co-author of the top business book, Dealing with the Tough Stuff, How to Achieve Results from Key Conversations. Ali is a regular on Channel 9, has regular articles published in various forums and is highly sought after to assist individuals and teams transition through the tough stuff. Her work has found its way inside a few big businesses you might have heard of. PepsiCo, Siemens, McDonald's, Sydney Water, PHP, Bond University, Griffith University and Blue Care. And of course, Ali has done a bit of work with QFES. Ali presents her authentic and unique message as a sought-after keynote speaker where she engages her audience with humour, practicality and real-world thinking. Welcome, Ali, to this first edition of Influence Me. What's it like to be the inaugural guest? <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. It's like sitting in the hot seat. <laughs> it's, a, it's actually a real honour to, to come and be asked. As you mentioned, we've done work with, with QFES for a number of years and I'm, I'm really, I, I guess, a big admirer of the work that, that this organisation does across Queensland. I think our organisation, the people work for it, our, our workforce, which, made up, which is made up of staff and volunteers, they certainly uh, have a very special relationship with QFES and the work we do. I've got a question for you to lead out on that is you've worked with many organisations and by now you've probably seen a few commonalities when it comes to, to leadership. If I had to ask you the question, what are some of the things that have really stood out for you in terms of the organisations who have done leadership well? What sort of things do they do right? Good question, big question to kick off with because leadership isn't five qualities. It's not a, a certain bag that if you just fit this mould then it'll work, it'll guarantee because I guess what I've seen in the variety is such a variety of different ways that people lead and therefore that organisations move. So, and there's there's actually been research on this. Gallup have, you know, they wanted to find what were the top five qualities of leaders and they thought if we could just find what they were, then we could teach every leader to be, that's kind of good, to be great. And they thought it would be things like um, having charisma, um, being, you know, a team player, having vision, um, being organised, being strategic. These were the kinds of things when you think about leadership they thought it might be. You mentioned charisma. Yes. Charisma was very popular back away. Yes. And then they seemed to be a move away from it. But I'm, I'm sensing like uh, it's coming back in some respect. I think the human qualities are coming back and charisma is one of those. So if I think about where I've sort of said there's not really certain qualities, the commonalities is a sense of humanness and a desire and whether that comes through care or charisma or a desire to want to drive things forward but with genuinely looking after the people that are part of that process, that's probably something that I've seen. So I agree, I think charisma is one of those things that it's kind of was a buzzword a it while ago. It was a buzzword, yes. And, uh, and then it kind of disappeared and it means different things to different people but for me it's around this, this sense of being human. So if I go back to that Gallup study, what Gallup found, they I think they surveyed 20,000 leaders 
leaders across the globe, a range of different industries. And the only thing, commonality they found in great leaders was that the leader knows themselves infinitely well. So they know their own values, they know their strengths, and they know their weaknesses. And the stuff they're not good at, they have other people around them. So they gather a team who support the areas that maybe aren't their strengths. And so I think there's something about that, and I've definitely seen that in the work that we do and in organisations, when a leader has the self-awareness plus this constant hunger to learn more about themselves, alongside this kind of human element of caring deeply about people, that's where magic happens. Do you know yourself better now than you did perhaps 10 years or 15 or 20 years ago, what would you say? I would say yes, and the more you discover, the more you realise you don't know, right? It's yep. like like starting a degree or going into a master's or learning a new skill. Uh, the moment you think you, you know a little bit about it, um, and you start to research it, you realise there are libraries and libraries and libraries of stuff filled with the things that you don't know. So yeah, yes, I'll, I do believe yeah. I know myself more and I'm still just scratching the surface. <laughs> and and I, I, if, if, if I had to make a statement, it would be that, um, that, that the more I, I learn or know, the more I realise I don't know. Yes. And I offer that um, encouragement to people around me when, they, when we discuss uh, what they need to be or to do to become better leaders. And I, I find myself coming back to that topic. That notion of a knowing self may have a influence on how you connect with others. So going back to, to our discussion about charisma, um, I see there being a direct alignment with how we connect with others and the character traits or the personalities that we use to enable that connection. Tell me what your views are on uh, you know, connecting with others generally. What do you think works? What doesn't work? I think first and foremost, we need to. Obviously, there are different ways. And I think I'm going to come about this answer in a couple of ways and come back to your statement around knowing self in order to be able to connect others. Now, I get that I'm a psychologist and there might be people listening that go, of course the psychologist is going to go. <laughs> You're going to need to know about yourself. It's like, let's ask about your feelings. It's this soft, fluffy stuff. And yet, if I give you a really practical example, you walk into work Monday morning and you've been sitting in traffic and there have been ridiculously terrible drivers on the road whilst you were sitting in traffic for an extra half an hour than you normally do. The state that you walk into work in is it's about being aware of that because that has an impact on then how you connect with others. And part of that awareness is just even noticing that your jaw is tight, that you're anxious, that you're frustrated, that expletives are coming out of your mouth because you've just had this experience, something completely unrelated to work, completely unrelated to the people that you're about to interact with. And yet somehow it's kind of almost, it's overflowing, tipping over. If you imagine a glass that's got too much water, that emotional experience is, is tipping over onto how you then interact with other people. So it is critical at any point in time to just check in and go, Oh, what state am I in right now? And then what impact is that going to have on the conversation that I need to interact with other people? This is good advice. It's good advice for our, our, our leaders within our organisation. Uh, currently, as you're aware, QFAIRS are going through a pretty profound and extended period of change. And uh, I've seen and I see every day uh, people and leaders 
who are trying their hardest to be the best they can be, but not necessarily always being able to be that person. Um, and I think your point around uh, knowing self and knowing when to step away or to not engage. A colleague of mine used the uh, military analogy, which is, uh, which is about that maybe there's a battle you don't want to fight right now because you're not in the best frame of mind. Mm. Um, do you think that's good, good advice? I think it's, it's important to kind of check in on that. And to be honest, as human beings, we do it naturally anyway. There are, we know that there is a moment that if you want to ask your boss for a pay rise, you don't do it when your boss is angry. Like we know it as human beings. There are certain requests that we might, um, you know, connecting with others or a colleague that we might want to ask them. But if they've just stormed through the office, we're going to wait a little while. <laughs> so as human beings, we already have this skill to tune into the environment around us. And yet often we don't tune into what's going on for ourselves and then then I guess making a call about, you know, when do we step into a conversation. Now, having said that, just because you might be going through an emotional experience doesn't mean you can't have that conversation because there are conversations that have to be had in the moment or at least within the next half an hour. Yes, I can't leave yes. it another week just until I feel good or until I'm I'm not so angry. Or <laughs> that other person's in a better space. Exactly, yep. exactly. So the reality is that there are times where we're going to have this emotional load but we still have to have in, step into that conversation anyway. So I probably, and again, coming back to your very first question, what do I see from leaders and what I would love to encourage leaders? And when I say leaders, I think it's anyone with, anyone, with the influence. Level, and I know yeah, you, right. you agree with I, that. I believe that. Whoever has influence on other people, and we all have influence on others. Our mood impacts others around us when we're around other people. I think the thing I would love people to step into more, and it's something I'm trying to foster for myself, is a sense of curiosity. So when something comes up or when we need to step into a conversation with someone and it looks like they're not listening, rather than getting frustrated because you think they're ignoring me again, it might just be that they're thinking about something else and it's actually not about you. When we step into that with curiosity and go, oh, isn't that interesting? Hey, listen, I just wonder what's going on for you at the moment. I, I'd love two minutes of your attention. That's all I need. And then I can let you get back to what you need to get back to. I, I want to talk about communication more generally in the context of leadership. But before I do, I, I want to pay respect to the fact that this podcast series is titled Influence Me. Uh, and there's a reason for that. Um, and certainly um, I'd like to understand uh, what's your view on influence? in terms of how it relates to um, the effectiveness of a leader? The ability of a leader the to influence? The ability of a leader to influence. Yes, I think it's a really critical skill. Um, the, the interesting thing about influence for me is that it doesn't have any judgment, that word. And so there are times that we, we, can, we can often go, well, influence is a good thing, but we can influence for a way that can be I guess a word that sometimes people might use is manipulative. Um, and so, you know, th that can bring up a whole sense of connotation and people yeah. go, well, I don't want to manipulate someone else, but I do need to influence them as a leader. And I think it's important, language is really important and, and stepping into leadership is important to get clear on what the difference of those two are because we want to allow people to express who they are, to not have too much impact on others, and yet it's our role as a leader to guide, to encourage, to support, to empower, to get outcomes, to have the work completed 
And so we are actually required to influence others. Interestingly enough, the etymology of the word manipulation just means to craft with our hands. So again, the, the essence of that word doesn't it's, have it's, any it's impact. It's disappointing that it's taken as being a, a negative. Well, it's kind of a social, in, yeah. yeah, it's been socialised in, in that regard. Um, but I think it's nice to come back to, well, how do we craft with our hands? It, the reason that it's seen as negative is because often the intention that we step into that with can be that we're trying to get something out of it or that I'm doing this because I don't want to have to do the work, so I'll just get everyone else to do it and then my job <laughs> will be easier. Yep. Um, so come back to that craft of our hands. And I think for me, therefore, influence is when our intention is for good. So are we trying to achieve a certain outcome on a project? Are we actually trying to gather a community together by getting um, my team on the same page? So therefore, I need to influence what they do today. I need to influence how they interact with our community. So absolutely, I think it's an art, it's a craft. It's, a, it's part of that kind of knowing yourself as well. It's, it's something you continually need to look at. Well, what are the ways am I influencing? Is my intention for good? How do I check in with that? Are there times that I'm just handballing jobs because I just couldn't be bothered <laughs> doing it? Yeah. Or is it that I'm handballing it because I'm not handballing it, but I'm actually then allowing someone else to step into their own level of leadership or to learn a skill in a particular area. So I think when we get clear on the intention, then the ability to influence actually becomes much stronger. I agree. Uh, communication and particularly communication from a sense of not just transferring information, but how that information is received. I read a nice article recently which talked about how good leaders are able to when they listen, that they are willing to change their mind based on what they hear or the information that comes to them, how well the person uh, not just communicates but the, the quality of the information that, that it, it, can, it could be that good and that rich that they change their tact. Have you had an experience with the companies you've worked with in seeing how the, the quality of communication between their leaders, how that affects the outcomes of the services they, they deliver. Have you seen that in real life? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And again, not only through the work that I've seen at um, Impact, there's a huge amount of research that when you work on culture, it actually repays dividends back to the organisation through speed, through projects happening quicker, through people feeling more sure about the work that they're doing. The question we often ask organisations and I'll ask your audience now is if you came to work tomorrow and your feedback was twice as good like a hundred percent better than what it is today just magically overnight you came into work and we're doing feedback twice as good the work that I'm doing I know what I need to tweak and change quicker we're able to deal with conversations from the community much better then every metric across the business improves so if we improve our communication skills, it absolutely has an impact on business, on branding, on connection to community, which I know is really core for QFED. I think people actually feel better about themselves. Absolutely. They feel they, valued. Well, they feel valued because they've felt like they've been able to make a contribution. Yes. They've been listened to. Yes. And um, I think that is such an important thing for me. I, I encourage people all the time to be, become a better listener and, and stop sitting there thinking about what you're going to say in response or to rebut what's being said to you. It's a big shift. 
a massive shift and it yep. comes back to that willingness to maybe I'll change my mind, which is a tough one for human beings to yep, do. It is. Uh, the one that you touched on before. What I've seen organisations do exceptionally well and where they've made this shift is they've actually made a ritual of communication. And what I mean by that is, and I've seen it happen from the... It, top level down to you know leaders even at the front line it's that personal commitment to go I'm going to spend some time with these individuals today so all I mean is thinking about your team and saying well who am I going to go and have a coffee with today is there someone in my team who I can go and have a walk around the block with it's as simple as five minutes to just find out how is your day What's on your mind? Yeah. What challenge are you being facing at the moment? Is there anything you need my help with? And it sounds incredibly simple that, you know, a lot of people go, but I do that anyway, or, you know, I don't, I'll get around to that. Mm. Um, and yet where, I, where I've seen that shift happen and where communication has actually had an influence on culture and therefore had, had paid dividends to businesses is when people hold themselves accountable to that ritual. So they actually put it in almost as a KPI for themselves that I have to make sure that I'm having a coffee with every member of my team every fortnight, at least once a fortnight. So important and so interesting. And this is a lovely little segue into part of this podcast where I want to talk about values organisational values, personal values. I sense that leaders who are clear about their values are more likely to get through a day uh, unscathed and get through a day without feeling like they've had to sell their soul. So any observations or views around values and how it relates to leadership? Look, I've done a lot of study and research on values, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to come from that psychologist mindset and now and say I think it's really critical. Often when um, some people have done some work around values, it can be a little bit like um, you know, other words in our language. People have different meaning around what that means. So I usually interpret to, for people listening, if you're not sure what your values are, because often we, we make sweeping statements around values. So the things that are important to me are my family, my work, my health, which are important. But what I'm really interested in is what is it about family for you? Because it'll be very different to someone else. So why? Like, is it about the times that we get together? Is it actually about the times that we're not together yep. <laughs> for other people, but we can still um, keep in touch with each other's world. So what is it about family? For some people, it's their immediate family, their husband and, or wife and their, their spouse Where, and their partner and their kids. It's, it's a broader brothers, construct. It's, it's yeah. bigger. Yeah. So getting clearer and down to that kind of granular level. But just thinking about what is it that is important to me. So even moving that word values away, but what's important to me? So leaders are the ones, and I think the ones who are able to get through their day, who have a sense of purpose, a sense of contribution, keep that question front of mind for themselves. And then the leaders that have real strength around that know that the values of an organisation are pretty much in alignment with their own values. So there is a connection. The truth is, as human beings, we will Uh, trump our personal values over an organisational values any day of the week. So if that is out of alignment, our personal values will jump um, higher just because they're ours, right? They're important to us. Yeah, And And so you can tell me the organisational values and put them on a wall, but unless I can see connection to how that makes me feel better about the work that I do, it's just words. And and this is probably a current challenge for QFES and we're trying to get people to align their own values to the organisation values. And I know they want to see the organisation live their values, particularly people who have got strong personal values. 
because otherwise you end up these conflicts of what it all means. Mm. Um, I've got one more question for you before we finish up. And, and that is, and the question is, to any um, uh, developing leaders out there, regardless of whether they're staff members or, uh, or what role they play, whether they're a volunteer or staff, what advice would you give them if they're exploring how to become a better leader? Again, it's a pretty broad question. No, there's so many that comes to mind. You know what first the came key to things mind? The for very you. first key thing would be to start to tell people that you want to become a leader. Start to communicate that to other people. Sure. Uh, and then start to sit down and ask. So where I was talking about coffees with your teams before, who are the leaders in your organisation that you admire? Ask them if they've got a couple of minutes that you could buy them a coffee or that you could just ask that question. If yeah. you were starting out again, where would you start? What advice would you have? And and ask not just one or two, but go for 10, 15 different points of view, different stories. Ask how people got into their leadership role. So what was that career trajectory? What were the conversations that they wanted to be a part of? I would also encourage people to start to look at leadership outside of QFES. And I don't mean to go and get a job somewhere else. What I mean is to start to broaden your concept of what leadership looks like. And then what are the ways you might be able to bring in some of those new concepts or the way that the world is shifting around leadership, what it takes to be a leader uh, around the world, I think is starting to shift. And it is that essence of being a human being. But if you can understand what's happening at an organisation like Apple and what is it that's, you know, they might feel like it's so different from what we're doing at QFES, but what are the leaders doing there? What are they craving? What yeah, do they I, I wish they had? I tend to think had? there are a lot of common <laughs> themes that run, that run through our organisation mm. and likely run through many other organisations. And yeah. I think the, what you've, the picture you've just painted about uh, a person exploring what that future might be for them and how they might well go about it is uh, very valid and not necessarily just a QFES thing or a, or a government thing. It's, it's, it's much broader than that. Seeing what's um, out there. And I think starting to tell people that, hey, I'm looking at, at leadership, that can be something that can be quite confronting inside, uh, even in particular kind of government organisation, it can be threatening, like a sense of, well, you want to take my job or there's a sense you're not happy where you are. Whereas it's about probably someone wanting to play a bigger role. Yeah, I'm not sure there's too many leaders that if they had a staff member said at some point, one day I want to explore expressing my leadership further and I'd love to work with you on what that trajectory looks like and what skills I need to hone and improve and change and update. There's not a single leader I think that wouldn't actually then support them along the way. So what comes to mind for me is this sense of, that your career is 100% your responsibility and so that's that, that sense of proactive and it comes about with curiosity and generosity. So how do I be proactive and what is it that I can serve the people around me? How can I start to put my hand up for things? How can I start to learn more about what it takes to be a leader? And it's not about you starting to do everything because great leaders aren't the ones that do everything. They're the ones that influence and inspire others as well. There's that word again, That's influence. right, how we influence others. I'd like to finish it there, but I'm going to do one more thing. I'm going to do this with each of our guests. And for the audience, Ali has not been given these questions. I'm going to provide Ali five questions. And, and, and Let's go. I just want to, and you don't need to give a long answer to it, might be a real quick okay. answer. Uh, five questions, here we go. Um, first question is, what do you wish you really understood? 
oh, what do I wish I really understood? I'd love to not understand what gets in the way of people really expressing what's going on for them. Like, understand that even further. Second question. What do you wish other people understood about you? Um, I think one of the things that I'm coming to terms with is part of me understanding myself. And I read an article the other day around leadership and, and culture and that one of the most powerful things leaders do is provide a safe environment for people to feel comfortable. For many years I thought that wasn't important. That's one of my skills. It's something I do exceptionally well, is just provide a safe environment. It's not the most showy person in the room. It's not the loudest person in the room. It's often not the person who says the last thing. Something for people to understand, and there might be other people, and, and I guess particularly other women in leadership roles who might be hearing this, to, to recognise that providing a safe environment, a safe space for people to feel comfortable, I believe is going to be one of the skills of the future. So I know for me, I'm trying to own that more yep. and I'd love to encourage others to do that. Thank you. Um, question three, what's the strangest question anyone has ever asked you? <laughs> what is the strangest question? Um, my kids throw me some doozies every now and then. Um, oh, what's coming to mind? Um, uh, I've gone blank. <laughs> I'm, 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 waiting for a, I'm waiting for a guest to say uh, this question you've just That's asked That's right. Me. Yeah, I'm about to say that. No, it's a all, all good. So question four, what type of leader do you prefer? I prefer a leader... A leader who cares about others. Yeah. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. And it's true. I'm a great believer of that concept. And the, uh, the last question, how do you prefer to deliver bad news? In person, <laughs> by text message, or by carrier pigeon? <laughs> there are days I wish I could get some carrier <laughs> pigeons. <laughs> if I'm really honest, <laughs> if we could just roll them out, that would be great. Uh, but every time I've gotten nervous about delivering bad news and then had the chance to do it face to face, Again, I think you have the opportunity to allow the other person to, and sometimes the things that come to mind in a work context might be letting someone go um, who maybe is not a fit for the, the organisation or the team anymore. And uh, I just know Courier Pigeon wouldn't cut it. <laughs> I just know <laughs> something happens when you do get to sit across someone and, and they get to see that it's tough for you, but also that, that this is an important yeah, message. Yeah, and therefore they get to see that this is yeah. not being done to hurt people, yep. to uh, deliberately uh, go their way to make it difficult. It's just what it is. And it's, to, and it's for me that that final question is such a uh, leadership-centric question. I think it's important to allow the other person to maintain a sense of self-respect as well as know that they're respected. They may not hear that in the moment because you know, particularly when you're talking about work or letting someone go. Work is our livelihood, it's our identity, and so it, it cuts at that. And, uh, and to understand that actually whatever their response is is often not about them in, in that moment. It's, uh, it's just to allow that space to get really clear on what the boundaries are, but to hold and maintain respect for that individual and okay. then uh, come back and, and connect with them later. That's it. Thank um, you, Andrew. That was fun. Ali, thank you very much. And um, I appreciate um, you coming here today and having a chat to us about these things. As I said, QFES 
you know, leadership for QFES is central to what we are and what we're trying to become. And uh, I, I really truly appreciate your um, you coming along here today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Andrew. It's an honour.